podcast, Perth de la Prem. Today, we will be previewing the Community Shield. Michael, how are you going? I'm well, Gareth. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. And Mike, how are you doing today? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. I'm going to stick with you because obviously Community Shield's coming up. And as we've seen the other day, uh, Erling Haaland made his debut for Manchester City. And uh, I find it hard to even admit this, but I think I actually had goosebumps thinking that he's going to be playing in the Premier League. So do you expect him to be straight into the starting lineup for the Community Shield? Yeah, look, I think um, if he's fit, he'll definitely start. He only played 40 minutes the other night. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but the game was um, shortened because there was storms, which I'm sure a lot of English players probably aren't used to. Um, but if he's fit, undoubtedly. So I think Pep will want to get embedded in straight away. Look really sharp, but um, Man City fans will be pretty familiar with the term niggles um, that Pep uses quite a bit. And he, he said Haaland has a few niggles. So... We'll see how it goes. I wonder if it was just, just getting some minutes in the legs the other day, but um, I think he'll play a part nonetheless. Yeah, interesting. And uh, so, Michael, like obviously, being a Liverpool fan, you obviously excited about Darwin Nunes. I've seen a lot of social media. You know, first game he played, everyone's going, oh, he's, he's going to be the next Andy Carroll. Then he scores four game, uh, four goals, sorry. And then next game he plays, he's back to being Andy Carroll. So, what what do you make of what he's done? And are you excited to see him in a, a more competitive game? Do you think he's going to start straight away? Uh, I don't think he's going to start, actually. Um, I'm, I'm probably pretty happy to see Firmino start in that role, more familiar next to Diaz and Salah. Uh, if that was a proper Premier League game, I don't think uh, Salah would have given him a, the ball to take the pen to kick off his account, to be honest. Uh, but then the quality he had, especially for the second goal, I uh, put it bottom corner, um, quality, typical number nine finish. Um, and I can't wait to see a lot more of that. Yeah, I, bet. I think for me, he just looks like someone who's not not completely fit yet. But interesting as well, because I was going to bring this up a little bit later, but you've mentioned his name now, uh, Firmino. There's a lot of rumours going on that Juventus are going in for him, which is quite interesting. I think I heard that Liverpool rejected a £20 million bid so that Juventus could be coming back in with a second bid. Is it the time to, to let him go? Uh, I don't believe so. I think the forward line losing Mane, uh, it, it would be a, bit, a little bit thin letting him go. Uh, then you'll have really only him and Jota, who's injured at the moment, is the other option. So early season leading up to the World Cup, I don't think we have the luxury, especially Klopp, uh, have we got Nunes in? He likes his signing coming early. Um, so he has all pre-season to work with them. If he gets rid of Firmino now, who's integral to what he's been doing, especially uh, that got us rolling, that won us the Champions League. If you take that out now, that link from the midfield is gone and I don't think Klopp can get that back in a week. Do you think that Firmino would want to stay or do you think maybe he's thinking he'll have more opportunities at, at Juve? Uh, I think he will want to stay. He's very happy. Um, his family is also very happy in Liverpool. He has a lot of Brazilian teammates in the squad, so he's familiar with that. Um, the, the only thing, sort of like Mane, is like a new opportunity abroad, uh, where I think Mane is a little bit more hungry in that sense, where Firmino, he's a bit more comfortable being not a bench player, but obviously knowing his role in the squad, especially with the amount of games that Liverpool played last season and how he can contribute in other ways. 
And could you see him sliding more into that cam position that he played, obviously, when he was at Hoffenheim? Well, Klopp usually uh, sticks with um, one formation pre-season uh, to really working the team. They play a lot of pre-season games, Liverpool, compared to a team like City, who I think only had two or three leading up to the start of this campaign. Uh, and for the first time last night against Salzburg, uh, he played a 4-2-3-1 for quite a large part of the game uh, where he didn't even have Firmino as the nine. Uh, and obviously we struggled to create and score a goal that game. So I think he'll revert back to the trusted 4-3-3, which would then take Firmino out of that 10 role. But then again, as his false sign, he drops in the midfield, sort of works like a 10 anyways. Yeah, it's really interesting to see. And, and I don't think we'll probably see it all this weekend. I think they'll probably still be tinkering and there'll be a lot of kind of the reserve type of players will probably get some minutes. Um, so I'll chuck over to you, Mike, to chat about City. Obviously, kind of transfer news. They've, they've lost Zinchenko, who you're a big fan of. And, and I, we said just before, he's a good player. I think he'll do well, especially if he can play in more central or Arsenal. So losing him, are you upset about that? Yeah, look, I'm, of course I'm upset. I mean, all the players that have left so far, it's been sad to see him go, but it, a lot of it is down to it's more sentiment and just because of the parts that they have played in our in our success over the last couple of years. Um, do I think it's the right time for him to go? I mean, absolutely. He's, he's 26 now. He's coming into the peak of his career and understandably so. He probably wants to play a lot more. Um, but, I mean, he's he's got a good connection with the City fans as well. And, this might be a bit controversial, but I would actually say a lot more City fans are probably, I feel like myself included, are probably a little bit more upset that he's gone um, over someone like Raheem Sterling, who it's not to, nothing against Sterling, but I just think the connection he has with the fans. And, um, you know, to play left back for most of his City career, if not all of it, and do it actually, you know, pretty well, I think it's quite a testament to his ability, his mentality, his, his character, and he's going to be someone that we, miss in the dressing room um it'd be interesting to see how he does at arsenal he's played in midfield for ukraine and he's done really well he's captain the side as well so he's obviously got the ability but unfortunately at city and it would have been good to see him there but you know you look at the options ahead of him like bernardo silva gundawan kevin de bruyne even someone like calvin phillips coming in now he probably played deeper but he would still play further forward so i think the time was right for him to go but um he certainly had a big impact on man city fans and obviously our squad throughout the last couple of years. And he's one of those players who he could be out for three months and not play, whether it's injury or he's just sitting on the bench and then he can come in and do a job for you. And I think those players are really underrated um, to have in the squad because you know that you can depend on him. And he's, he's probably, you know, Pep has these utility players and probably one of the first ones that we did have was Fabian Delph. And he's, Sinchenko is quite similar in that way, you know, come in and do a job, you know what you're going to get. Um, and like I say, to do it out of position is is pretty remarkable as well. But understandably, he wants further opportunities and he probably wants to play a lot more at this stage of the of his career and in his preferred position. But um, yeah, look, it'll be, we'll see what happens. And I think it's pre been a pretty remarkable story overall, if you consider it. He was um, initially signed as, you know, he was only a million pounds or something something pretty small like that. Went out on loan to PSV Eindhoven, didn't go that well. And he was one of those players that we we tend to sign. And they might not be, they might be decent, they might have potential, but um, 
probably not seen as players who will make it at City and for him to come back and show Pep that he's got it in him, that he can give something to the squad is is um pretty impressive. So wish him all the best. Just again, like uh, like these other players like Jesus and Sterling, just hope they don't do too well against us. Yeah, I bet. And uh, did, were you surprised that they let him go before they, they've confirmed Kukurea or are you expecting that to happen before the transfer window closes? Um, look, I'm a little bit surprised because I don't know if you've been following negotiations, but Kukure is it's been quite difficult. It's obvious that the player wants to come and, and join City and play under Pep. But the fact is now, if we do not sign Kukure or another left back, we are really short in that position. So I think it would have been probably been a little bit smarter for City to sort of have that deal for Kukure tied up a lot sooner or maybe at least close to completion in terms of a fee. Um, before they went and offloaded Zinchenko, because now it's making things really difficult. City tend to deal in release clauses. I mean, like your Jack Grealish's, like your Erling Haaland's, even Julian Alvarez has just come in as well. Um, and I think clubs kind of approach City in negotiations. You know, they they think that City will just pay, you know, eventually. So this is why it's, you know, it's becoming quite a tough negotiation. So be interested to see how it pans out because like I say, if we do not sign a left back, then I think we're going to be really stuck, especially when it comes to those critical points in the season. So I think um, we're a well-run well club, but I think it was a little bit silly and naive by City here. I think as well, like, you know, if you're Brighton and you're looking at, you know, now they've just lost Zinchenko, you don't really need to get rid of him. So you can pretty much make that as, as high as you can go, really, and, and try and meet them somewhere. And they could end up getting out even more than, I think, 50 million for him, potentially. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But just remind me, so, like, fullbacks, really, with first-team experience, Cancelo, Walker, who else have they got? Um, it's just them two at the moment. Um, it's, been a, it's been a bit of a funny position under Pep because, obviously, we signed Mendy, who I'm not going to speak too much about. But... Um, and then we've had the likes of Danilo come in as well. But left back just seems to be such a problem position. I think Kukurea would be the perfect player. But, I mean, if you're just going into the season with Walker and Cancelo, um, yeah, I think it's it's pushing things a little bit and it's going to be difficult to compete on all fronts. One thing I would say is, and I'll talk a little bit about him later when we talk about some players who impressed us, but um, there's a, a young fella um, from the youth squad, Josh Wilson Esbrand. He's done really well. He did well last year in the Cups and he did well in the preseason. But I still don't think he's probably quite ready to come and push someone like Cancelo for um, a starting position or even just minutes. You might, might see him in the Cups, but not as a regular first-team player. Has Nathan Ake played left-back at all? I know he's staying now. Or is he, you'd only play centre-back? Yeah, he's played there. And I think, again, if injuries happen... Um, and then let's say Walker gets an injury and Cancelo probably moves back over to right back. You might see an Ake there. We've seen Laporte there as well. But, I mean, it's really makeshift and it's it's not ideal. So I think, you know, if we have to do it, we have to do it. And I think Ake is another player, a bit like Zinchenko. You can kind of just throw him in and he will do a job for you. But in terms of having him as a regular option, it's it's probably not ideal. So... Yeah, hopefully I get something wrapped up. Being linked with some other left-backs, but I don't know whether that's just City putting it in the media, just trying to test the waters with Brighton and put some pressure on to make a sale. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, Michael, so do you think Liverpool, they're completely done with bringing in any, any other players? Yeah, unless they have any more outgoings, uh, which I don't believe they are. Our clubs come out and said uh, pretty much that. If, if Unless they sell someone, they need to fill that place in the squad. They're done in the transfer market. 
Wait, wait. Yeah. All right. So we touched just before on obviously players that have come in. Um, so Michael, we obviously spoke previously about Mane, obviously a big loss for Liverpool. Who else have, have they lost? Uh, so uh, they sold Nico Williams for, we're talking pounds here, for 17 million to Knott's Forest. Uh, Taki Minamino, uh, he went to Monaco for 15.5 million. Uh, ben Davies uh, went to Rangers for 4 million. Divock Origi will be surely missed uh, for, from many Liverpool supporters, including myself, uh, to AC Milan on a free. Uh, so total about 70 million pounds um, Liverpool got for their outgoings, including obviously Stadio Mane. Yeah, interesting. I think Arigi, obviously a cult hero. Minamino was was amazing in the Cups last year. We did speak about him before, so that's a bit of a loss. Nico Williams is an interesting one. I know, you know, from Forest fans' point of view, they'll say, you know, he's got experience playing for Wales and stuff like that, but didn't really play often for Liverpool. I know he had a couple of good loan spells, but it's a pretty good bit of business and adds to the old net spend FC trophy. So you must be happy with them. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, winners of that. Um, yeah, that's why they brought in Calvin Ramsey, uh, to be honest, for just under £7 million. Uh, Nico for £17 million, just has got that Liverpool uh, badge, Liverpool background. Uh, it adds an extra transfer fee, doesn't it? Uh, he was seen into the understudy to Trent, um, but that hasn't come... Unfortunately, uh, like Simicus has on the left-hand side, he's really made leaps and bounds where Nico, he's given the opportunity at the cut level. He's, he's done well in a couple of games, maybe got an assist or two, but Ria hasn't kicked on from there. Yeah, interesting. And Mike, I know we've, we've, we've probably spoke about a lot of cities outgoing, so I think they've done a lot of their business early. So obviously we've, we've spoke just then as well about Zinchenko. We spoke about Sterling. Um, all those players. We mentioned about the young goalkeeper as well. Is there anyone else of note that has gone from City? No, not really. Just, um, I mean, obviously Fernandinho's left. And, I mean, in terms of playing, he, he probably wasn't offering too much the last couple of years. He's, his legs are gone. But it'd be good leadership that we're going to miss. Um, Muric, who's, he's kind of been in and out the last couple of years, but he was our third choice keeper. He's gone to Burnley. So, obviously got that Vincent company connection there as well so be interesting to see how he does he's gone um he's gone on a permanent deal another one as well has gone to burnley cj egan riley again people that you probably wouldn't know about too much but he's played in cup games for us here and there um yeah like i say zach stefan's gone as well middlesbrough on loan i'll talk about the goalkeepers a little bit later on and what that might mean as well but yeah nothing too notable it's been a bit of a weird one though um you know city have let really important players go in recent years. We've lost David Silva, we've lost Vincent Company, Sergio Aguero. But the thing is with those guys is that they were, you know, past their prime, although in their thirties, whereas this season, and I think a lot of City fans and probably myself included really were probably just being quite reactionary as football fans are in some ways, just, you know, can't believe we're selling him, can't believe we're selling, you know, to a rival. But in some ways it makes a lot of sense what sort of happened this season. We've got to keep the squad fresh, especially going for a third title in a row. I know I've tipped Liverpool, but if they are to do that, it is going to be a really tough ask. And I think you have to keep the squad fresh because, you know, Pep is quite demanding as well. And I'm sure, like, you know, you just want to get some new faces in, refresh the squad and um, get some new ideas in as well and just some different options. So interesting to see because it's not really happened at City before. And 
You know, Liverpool are the net spend champions, but I think Manchester City might give them a good run for their money. They've actually, if I've read this correctly, they've in terms of outgoing, so not including Ferran Torres, and some people are including it, and sometimes I do as well, but 174 million in outgoings, which is probably one of our biggest, and actually apparently it's one of the records in the Premier League. And I wouldn't say that would necessarily weaken the squad. So um, sorry, Netspen FC Liverpool, but um, yeah, I think we're going to take that title off you this season as well. Bit of beefing on the pot, I like it. <laughs> so we'll look at it again. So we mentioned before in a little bit more speaking about Nunes and about Haaland, about pre-season results. Um, so Michael, if you want to touch, I think, so Liverpool had three pre-season games, I believe. Uh, they have in total. Uh, they're going to have more than that by the, by the time they reach uh, the Fulham game. Uh, on the 12th of July, uh, they went to Thailand, started off the tour. They lost 4-0 to Manchester United. Uh, they, three days later, they went to Singapore, won 2-0 over Crystal Palace. Uh, heavily rotated that game as well. Uh, they went to Germany, and this was, was the one where Nunes really made his mark. Uh, they won 5-0 against RB Leipzig. They have affiliation with the Leipzig clubs, um, well, Red Bull clubs, sorry, because uh, yesterday they lost 1-0 to RB Salzburg. Again, like Naby Keita, um those types of players, um, we seem to get deals and we have a, a good connection uh, to Red Bull. And, and I think it works well in the preseason games. The way they play football uh, really gives us the opportunity to blood our players, um, get good minutes in our legs. Uh, so that leads up until the, the Community Shield, which is this coming weekend. And also Klopp, he loves the preseason games. He heavily rotates his squads, like I said, because three days later, uh, back at Anamfield, they versing Strasbourg. The uh, league on side, um, I don't know how he's going to do this. It was similar when they went to the Club World Cup and then they had the League Cup game, uh, two completely different squads, make sure everyone has got the minutes they need um, and then they will hit the ground running before the first match week. Yeah, and Mike, so I think you mentioned before City have just had the two warm-up games, is it? Yeah, just two games, which last couple of years we tended not to play as many preseason games as some of the other clubs. I assume they'll, they'll have some intra-club friendlies or, or, or things like that. Um, so probably, I mean, not too much to take from them. Obviously, like I say, Harlan scored one of them, but I'll just start with the first one. So... 2-1 against uh, Club America, which was really good. I saw bits and pieces of it. It was meant to be at work. Um, and, you know, Kevin De Bruyne scored both goals and Club America got one back before he scored the second. And looked really sharp as well. So it was really good to see him not having any tournaments post-season from the season before and see how sharp he really looks heading into uh, the season ahead. And obviously it's going to be really important to get as many points as we can um, before the World Cup. Um, and then Bayern Munich, we played... So it was pretty similar across both games. So big Bayern Munich 1-0. Man himself, Erling Braut Haaland, scored his first goal. Um, you know, had a blend of sort of youth and experience. Um, there's a couple of players who, who played quite well. And, you know, um, Jack Grealish, I'll probably talk about a little bit later on. He's got a bit of stick, but looks really sharp this so far, um, this preseason. Um 
but yeah, not too much to take from it. Just it was good to see some of the new signings, really. Calvin Phillips, he I said he'd you asked me on one of the last pods if he'd actually ever play center back for City, and I said no, and he and he's done it within the first 10 minutes of playing for Manchester City. So yeah, no, it's just good to see the new signings. And to be honest, it's just minutes in the legs. I don't think it's really beneficial for the players um in terms of preparation. It's obviously going to somewhere like America, it's all about exposing the brand of, of the football club and you know looks like the american fans really enjoy, enjoyed it as well so yeah um yeah two games like I say not too much to take from yeah and there might have only been two games but i'm gonna ask you now and i'm gonna give you three players if you can tell me three players that have impressed you in, in the two games who are you picking and why all right so i've mentioned his name already uh jack grealish um now, I also remember you saying, Gareth, as well, that, you know, this this betting in period is is bollocks, you know. And, you know, if they're good enough, they're good enough. Um, but I, I think it definitely does apply in many ways. Of course, um, players have got to show something when they come into a club. And Jack Grealish had that expensive price tag over his head and a player's always going to say, oh, it doesn't affect me. Um, again, I don't ever think he's probably going to be a £100 million player Again, it's that release clause. And I said about transfer fees earlier in, in a previous pod. It's all relative to the club as well. Um, but he really impressed me. Just just his directness, because we all know Jack Grealish draws a lot of fouls. And he just was an absolute menace for Club America and Bayern Munich. They really couldn't cope with him. And I think I'd like to see that a lot more this season. Just him playing with a little bit less fear. He said in interviews throughout last season, he's just been too scared to give away the ball. Because I suppose the connotations you associate with Pep is that, you know, Pep hates players who lose the ball. And you saw a lot of it last season. And a lot of fans probably said this about Mahrez as well. He slowed the team down quite a lot. Um, I think now he's got that season under the belt. I think he's really ready to explode. And I think it remains to be seen how you measure that because he's never really been a big numbers player. Um, he's, I don't know if he's ever gotten to double figures for goals or assists, but I think he could get pretty close this season given now he's got an easier path to more regular football. He played a lot last season, but given the departures that we've had in the front line, Jesus and Sterling, um, I think it's going to give him a lot more opportunities to show his talents and there's going to be a lot more backing in him and his importance is only going to increase. Um, so I'm looking forward to him and I hope he does well just purely because of, you know, the media coverage that he gets. You know, he probably does get treated a little bit harshly in my opinion, but then sometimes he probably draws it to himself. Um, I'll just move on. Uh, probably mention this player a little bit later on, but Josh Wilson, Esbran really impressed me. I mean, we don't have a left back at the moment. He's the only one in the squad. And every time I've seen him pull on a Manchester City shirt, he's really impressed me. He's actually got quite a good turn of pace as well, which I didn't really expect. And he's quite good on the ball as well. And, he's, you know, he does remind me a little bit of a pet player. He's really good at keeping it. Um, he's passing and he did really well, as, I, as I'll talk about a little bit later, the fullbacks this season, I think, are going to be really important how they play as they all, as we they always are under Pep. But I think they're going to really stretch that touch, you know, go to the um, the byline and just sort of cut back and stretch the pitch. So, I mean, if he's showing that he can do that, I think there'll be a lot more opportunities for him. And I guess there's there's that spot there to sort of get some more minutes next season, even if we do sign Kukurea, Um, given, you know, all it's going to take is an injury to Walker, for Cancelo to shift back over to right back. And I think we'll probably see him there more this season anyway um, and get some minutes in the cup games. He, he looked really good and he he set up a couple of chances as well. So it's good to see Academy products coming through. 
Um, and then the last one, well, it's probably a bit boring, but Kevin De Bruyne really impressed me. I've said before, he looked really, really sharp. And I think this season he's going to have the shackles released quite a bit. He's going to be playing a bit further forward behind Haaland. And, you know, if those two can strike up a partnership, it's going to be really, really scary for Premier League defenders, I think. Um, we all know Kevin De Bruyne's threat, whether it's through his passing or his shooting. Um, and he's tended to come back in previous years, I think probably fatigued. And last season, he started really slow because he had that injury in the Champions League final. Whereas he's had no physical concerns or no tournaments aside from those friendlies. Um, and I think he just looked really sharp. It looked like he just picked up where he did at the end of last season. And I think that's really good for us um, going into the start of next year. Yeah, Michael, I'll ask you the same question. So if you can pick three Liverpool players only that impressed you in the preseason, who were they and why? Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Carvalho. Uh, being new to the squad, uh, he hasn't had that six months that Diaz had settling in the club. Uh, he has worked with Harvey Elliott uh, when uh, he was on loan there at Fulham. Uh, but I think he's been electric. Um, he's taken his opportunities so far. And I believe that will continue leading into the start of the season. My second player is Elliot himself. He has given Salah a break up um, to the right forward position as well during preseason. He has played there in the past, um, but Klopp usually likes him to play on that right-hand side just ahead of the defensive midfielder. His creativity on the ball sort of... Uh, works well side by side with someone like uh, Henderson, um, even even Nabi Kaita, who who does take the ball forward and is a little bit more attacking. But then because of Fabinho, the way he really tucks in and sits in front of that back four, give that license to players like Elliot, uh, like Thiago, to be a little bit more creative on the ball and make the play. Uh, my third player... Well, I'm going to mention one player before I say who my third player is, just special mention. I think Joe Gomez, his rotation with Kanate and Matip as the second centre-half pairing to Van Dyke is going to be really important for Liverpool this season, uh, regardless of the amount of games we know that. But he's just obviously signed a new contract for Liverpool, so Klopp sees him long-term at Liverpool. He's fresh. Uh, he's also covered Trent, um, has he done in previous couple of seasons, at right-back. I know we've signed uh, a new right-back from Aberdeen, but Gomez, in that sort of game, if we need away from home to tuck in to be an extra height, extra header in the box, I think he can do a role. But my third, similar to Michael's De Bruyne um, shout, is Mo Salah. Uh, <laughs> Sadio Mane has left the club. I think Salah, having got his new contract, um, broken the weight structure at Liverpool, he's refreshed. He knows he's the main man there. Uh, he's ready for this season and he's shown it in pre-season. He looks the most dangerous. Uh, he, I think he'll be more selfish when the game starts. All the players, especially himself, are trying to link up Nunez. Uh, they've made him feel really comfortable. You should see the pictures out. Um, and the videos from Austria, the training camp, uh, they seem like they've bonded well. And I think um, that needed to be done uh, to make him feel part of that front three uh, because that front three with Firmino and uh, Sadio Mane, that's well publicised. 
arguably one of the great European front three is broken up and it needs to be quickly rectified. I think Salah will have a heavy hand to make that happen. Yeah, I did see a video of, of Mo Salah in training and he looked extremely sharp. So Yeah, they had a little activity where Klopp was telling him to use his left foot and he's just uh, banging in goals. So yeah, he, he's in the mood, hopefully, just uh, to hit the ground running. Yeah, I don't know who the defender was, but he just couldn't get near him. And I kind of, yeah, it was actually quite embarrassing to watch for him because Salah just looked <laughs> like, like a child. Yeah, fair enough. Well, let's move on then to obviously the Community Shield. It's a bit of an interesting one. I think if if you lose it, then you don't really care. It was only a friendly. If you win it again, you're happy. But again, it was only a friendly. But still, it's a massive game. Man City, Liverpool, you know, it's a chance to, to, to beat the other team. I think when all the players go out, they're still going to want to win the game, aren't they? So, Michael, how do you expect Liverpool to set up? You were speaking just before. You think they might go back to a 4-3-3? Yeah, I'd be pretty confident they will. Uh, Klopp, usually, uh, that's his trusted formation. Uh, sort of what you're saying, the players, yeah, they, every game of football means a lot to them. But to Pep and Klopp, uh, I don't believe that's the case. Uh, they want to get minutes in their legs. You're telling me if, if Jurgen Klopp would rather than this or rather get the three points at Fulham, I know which one he'd take. Uh, I think it will be heavily rotated on with the numbers of players he uses for this game. Uh, it's a different type of game. Yes, there's a big shiny piece of silverware to win at the end and hold up in front of your fans. Uh, but it's played at the King Power Stadium, which is better actually travelling for Liverpool and logistics-wise there. Um, but you're not going to Wembley. You're not having that day out. So it's, it's a little bit even smaller than it would usually be for a curtain raiser. Yeah, interesting. And I was going to bring up something as well, because I, have, I haven't watched a lot of the friendlies, but I've seen a lot of snippets of like various highlights. And I've been watching closely with the Liverpool highlights, um, the positions that Trent's been getting into, which is looking really, really quite interesting. Do you want to tell us more about that? Do you think that's something they're going to be doing this season with Trent? Yeah, well, Trent usually picks up that space um, on the right-hand side and nice and high up the pitch. Uh, and because of our... Formation, for example, when Trent pushes up right high, getting closer to the touch, usually either the eight or the 10, that play ahead of the six will drop in and be that extra defender, say. So that midfielder will drop and take that space for Trent just in case for the counter. What's happening now, which Trent is getting a bit older uh, and everyone knows what a talent he is, Klopp's giving him the license to then pick up the balls in a little bit more central areas and a little bit more damaging possession. And with the likes of, say, Nunes, who's coming in now, um, he can be a real weapon for them and they're different option. The games where we can break teams down, Trent would then have the licence to say, can he pick out a player uh, either wide or if he tucks in, he can always play that ball and whip it to the back post. Yeah, and uh, do Liverpool have any injury concerns going into this? Is there anyone we won't see? Uh, no injury concerns that are fresh. Uh, the likes of Jota really uh, is the only major one. Ellison uh, is back in goals. He should be back for this one. Um, everyone else, they're, they're quite ready to go. Yeah. And Mike, how do you think City are going to set up? Same, similar as last year or is Pep going to be doing something completely different? Um, yeah, look, I think it'd be pretty similar. One thing I have noticed though is... The fullbacks are tend, 
um, you know, sort of pushing a little bit wider um, right to the touchline. And because of, I think, the lack of pace now that we've got up front, not that we don't have any pace. I mean, Harlan's quick, Foden's still reasonably quick, but not your Raheem Sterling sort of quick. I've noticed that Jack Grealish has kind of been tucking in more of an inside forward, same with Mares as well. I think those two are more likely sort of cutting on their preferred foot. Um, and probably something that we did towards the back end of last season, which I think really helped us get over the line, was seeing Kevin De Bruyne a little bit forward and seeing Bernardo Silva drop in alongside Rodri out of possession. So, you know, you wouldn't necessarily associate Bernardo Silva as a holding midfielder, but he is pretty handy defensively as well, just because of his work rate. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I think um, now that we've got a number nine, it'll be if Kevin De Bruyne's shackles are released a little bit and he's allowed to push more of a number 10 rather than a number eight, yeah, it could be interesting, but nothing major. I think um, Laporte's out with an injury just he had um, from last season. And a couple of players who I'm going to talk about later because I'm a little bit disappointed in them, um, Ilkay Gundogan, John Stones, and Phil Foden. Um, probably they'll have a part to play because I think they'll need minutes, but um, I don't think they'll be on, you know, they won't be starting. So, yeah, nothing major, but, yeah, just a slight change up front just with the personnel that we've got. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, so, Michael, are we going to see any of Liverpool's new signings? I know, obviously, we're thinking we'll see Nunes, but um, Carvalho's seem to have been done quite well in the friendlies. Calvin Ramsey, I, don't, I haven't really seen much of him. Will we see any of those two young players? Uh, I believe Carvalho will start. Well, uh, interchanging either with Javielli on that right-hand side of the midfield three. Uh, he's impressed majorly during the preseason. Uh, people like him to the new magician, to the new Philip Coutinho on Merseyside. Uh, every time he is on the board, he looks like he's going to create something uh, either on the counter, especially what Liverpool do when they defend a set piece. Uh, they're equally as dangerous, even though they're on the defence. Uh, and his vision, his touch, the way he shifts the ball across the pitch, feels like he's floating. Um, I'm really excited to see. I didn't think I would uh, that much, but I can't wait to see... And I think it's a chance to start uh, for someone like Nunes. Again, I think Firmino will start this one. Well, I'm pretty sure that Nunes will have some part to play, especially uh, having bagged four goals the other night. Yeah, interesting. So I was thinking as well with um, so Carvalho. So let, let's say he does start. Let's say he, he plays well. Do you start him against Fulham? Obviously, he's going back. He's playing against his old club. He's played at Craven Cottage many, many times. He's probably comfortable playing there. Do you, It's probably a good game to give him his Premier League debut, would you not think? Well, Klopp is, uh, he's surprised a lot of people in selection in the past. He's given Trent his first appearance away at Old Trafford. Uh, he was 17 at the time. Uh, Kanate obviously in another massive game I think it might have been against City or one of the big boys uh, where he shone um, straight from the go uh, if he does give it to Cavalier given his pre-season I think it will shock the Liverpool support base but um, you listen to the game you listen to the commentators I'm pretty sure they'll pull out these stats and, and say it's not a shock to Jurgen Klopp uh, but if I was picking the team and thinking what Jürgen would do, I don't think he would put him straight to the fight for this one, considering it is the first game of the season. Uh, it is a way the newly promoted teams, they'll be up. They'll be absolutely up for this one. Uh, and there's some, been some opening day uh, 
surprises and hopefully Liverpool on the end, end of that this time. Yeah. So, Mike, Alvarez, reckon we'll see him in the Community Shield? Um, yeah, look, I think it probably depends on Haaland as well. I was just thinking about this today as well. I wonder whether if Haaland's not fit, if he'll go back to the false nine that served us well the past couple of years. I think Alvarez is still pretty raw. You know, he's coming from South America. He's probably made it's quite an adjustment as well for a young young man. So I think he'll definitely he'll be on the field at some point. Um, pretty exciting player. He's done really well in preseason. Hasn't scored a goal, but I mean, there's probably been limited opportunities only having two games. So um, yeah, look, I think he'll probably he'll be in and around it, but um, I don't expect him to start, no. Yeah, do you think that they'll ever play with two up front, with those two together? Or are they probably going to stick with just the one up top? Uh, well, the option's there, I suppose. And we did do it a few years ago when we had um, Aguero and Jesus, and it was actually pretty exciting as well. You know, they um, sort of worked together really well. I think it's an option, and, I mean, Pep's pretty stubborn in his approach, and he likes to stick to his system. So it be interesting to see. But I think you probably will see them together, um, given our options at right wing. I mean, it's been mooted quite a few times that Alvarez may actually play on the right wing. So I think you could see them together, whether they're as a two up front or in a front three remains to be seen. But um, I think it would definitely be an option at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I think kind of in this day and age, you almost if you're playing in a front three, you've got to almost be able to play kind of anywhere. So it'd be really interesting to see how he goes. I'll stick with you as well, Mike, because obviously you mentioned before about a few City players who have disappointed you. Do you want to jump in and, t- and tell us why? Yeah, look, maybe it's a little bit controversial because, I mean, each to their own in terms of um, vaccinations. Obviously, where we are in Australia, just for a bit of context, you had to get vaccinations or you couldn't work, you couldn't do, you know, um, X, Y, and Z. There's a lot lot of things that you couldn't do. Um, But these three here, so um, I'll stick with John Stones and Foden because Gundogan's a little bit different. So um, from Stones and Foden's perspective, so they're both not vaccinated apparently and the entry requirements to America were to be vaccinated. The players would have obviously known a long time beforehand that they were going to America for pre-season. And in terms of, you know, I get that they have their own personal beliefs and opinions, but from a footballing perspective, it's really important for these players as well. You know, they've chosen not to be in the eye of Pep, I think. And John Stones is another one because last season... He didn't play quite as much. And I think he struggled coming off the Euros as a lot of English players did. But, you know, with Laporte injured, it was probably a really good time for him to stake a claim to reignite that partnership with um, himself and Ruben Diaz because I think, you know, it's Ruben Diaz and Laporte or Stones, really. So I think it was a little bit silly on his end not to do, not to get vaccinated and not to go ahead and be under the eye of Pep Guardiola and, you know, take that chance to impress because he would have had plenty of opportunities um Foden very similar I mean I think this season he'll really push on and I think it's good that we've got a number nine because you know he was probably sacrificed a lot last season playing as that false nine I think he probably did it the best out of anyone which shows a lot about his ability and potential but he's another one you know you've got Jack Grealish and Riyad Mahrez who I expect to play pretty prominently and he's probably going to take up one of those positions as well and it would have been a good chance for him just to show Pep as well you know that he is one should be one of the first names on the team sheet. So he's a little bit silly from their perspective, and it's just going to probably leave us a little bit short as well. You know, we've only played two preseason games, and that's probably on the club, and there might be something more to it with the World Cup coming up. But, you know, I think just train because what happened was they trained with the under 23s and they just went on preseason with them. So it's probably still not quite the same and the same level. So I expect them to be a little bit underdone, and it's just not going to help us at the start of the season, which could be 
really important picking up wins and points, you know, for the back end of the year. Gundogan's a little bit different um, because he has had his first vaccination, but he got COVID, um, I think, late in the season. So I think there was a little bit of a gray area whether he's actually eligible for the next vaccine because he had COVID so recently. Um, but still, he's another one. He probably, if he was eligible, he maybe should have done his back, um, you know, should have done his research. So he, again, he's another player. I don't expect him to be first name on the team sheet because of the options we've got. But, you know, if he'd started well, he could have started the season in that number eight position. So, yeah, it's a little bit disappointing from a football perspective more than anything. But of course, I understand that they have their own beliefs and views. Yeah. Just quickly as well, I want to ask you, and I'll get your answer very quickly as well. Um, so touched on Phil Foden there. Like for me, like being an England fan, I want to see Phil Foden playing centrally, like in central midfield in the hole. Where, where, where do you like to see him? Would you prefer him out wide or would you want to see him kind of playing in the hole behind like a Haaland or, or you know, playing central in centre mid? Yeah, I think his future is definitely in that number eight position or as a number 10. Um, and I think Pep said that before as well, but um from from just his peps comments anyway just it sounds like he's still got a lot to learn how to sort of dictate the tempo from that position um because Foden he's he seems to be quite go 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 he likes to play the game really fast but doesn't quite have that David Silver quality where he knew he knew the moments when to play the ball forward or when to just pass it sideways and recycle the ball and I think he's just got a little bit to learn there but at the same time He's not going to learn it if he doesn't have exposure there. And we did see him there a couple of times last season. I just think the only thing that's maybe stopping that right now is the option of you know, Bernardo Silvers and Kevin De Bruyne and Zilkai Gundogan's trying to keep them happy. And I think to Foden's detriment in some ways, um, he probably is so versatile that, you know, Pep is just going to play him in the front three because it's probably easier to, to keep those players behind him a lot happier. So... Um, I actually expect him to see see him on the right wing a little bit more this season rather than the left wing, and I think he'll do a really good job there. So it's not really a concern, but I think in, in the future, I think he probably will drift more centrally, and I think that'll be exciting, but probably not for a couple of years yet. Yeah, okay. So, Michael, you're Liverpool's biggest fan who resides in Perth. So you reckon they're going to go 4-3-3, or three, 1-4-3-3, three, three, three. got to include the goalkeeper, obviously. Who do you think is going to be the starting eleven? Give me a prediction. I want to see how close you're going to get. Okay, who have I got written down? Uh, Allison Goals, uh, left back Robertson, uh, on the left hand side of the centre halves, uh, Virgil uh, partnering Canate for this one uh, with Trent on the right. Just ahead in the six, I've got Fabinho. Uh, I'm going to play just ahead of him because of the leadership qualities, Henderson for this one. And I'm picking Elliot over Thiago. Um, for a bit of youth and a bit of dynamism in the middle there. Uh, my front three on the left-hand side, I'm going to start with Diaz. Uh, I'm dropping Firmino in the nine. And on the right-hand side, always have to go with Salah. Yeah, of course, you're going to have to go with Salah. And, and mentioning Luis Diaz there kind of gets me a little bit excited because it almost feels like, I know, he, I know he came in January. It's almost like they've got a new signing as well because now he's got a full season at it. I think he's going to be real special. Um, interesting there as well. So, Robertson, Rob, who would you go, Michael? Robertson or Cancelo? Uh, what for left back? If I for, left. for the Liverpool team, yeah, for uh, you just got to pick. All right, if you go to Liverpool, I think that's probably an easy way out because our Liverpool team would be Robertson, City team would be Cancelo. You've just got to pick one. Uh, I think Robertson's the best left back in the world. 
Uh, yeah. So I can't go past him, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And also, one I thought I know you said Allison and Gold. Would you would you not play Kelleher? Like, would Clark not play him? He he seemed to do well quite uh, last year in a few of the cup games. He looks like a, a good young keeper. Oh, he's definitely a great. He's a great young keeper. Um, there was whispers uh, around the club uh, that it was looking for a, a move out away from Liverpool, get some um, proper first team football, uh, and be their number one, whoever club that he went to. Uh, he has stayed at the moment, and I think he's arguably one of the best uh, backup goalkeepers in the Premier League. Um, I would trust him. Uh, well, when Alisson got injured a season or two ago, uh, Adrian came in and he did well. But uh, these days, I would like Kelleher, and I would feel comfortable Kelleher backing him up instead. Yeah, I think for me, he looks he looks like a good young keeper. He looks strong as well, which is what you want. Uh, Mike, go over to you. Um, City, what are they going to play? What's their team going to be? Yeah, I think it'll be the standard 4-3-3. Um, like I said, I think it, just, it depends in and out of possession. I think Bernardo drops a bit deeper when we've got possession. Oh, sorry, when we're out of possession, just to help Rodri. But um, can't see anything other than Edison in goal. I would say, though, Ortega did really well. Uh, a lot of the listeners probably don't know too much about him unless you're a Bundesliga fan. Um, but, you know, we've probably noticed this quite a lot last season, the FA Cup game when Stefan played, that how important and how crucial Edison's distribution is to our team. And to be honest, I watched that Club America game and Ortega, it, just, it felt like Edison was in goal. So, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive as well because I think every time we've played someone else in goal besides Edison, we really notice it because of how he sets us up from the back. So um, it'd be interesting, but I think Edison will get the nod just given the lack of preseason as well. Um, Walker, Really important stopping those counter attacks. Um, Diaz as well, he's, he's back, he's fit. Ake will start given that John Stone's lack of preseason and Laporte's injured. Cancelo, um, I don't even think if Kukurea signs, I don't think he'll start either. And then you have Rodri as well in the six, Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva. I expect Grealish on the left, he's done really well this preseason. Uh, Erling Haaland and Riyad Mahrez. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. That's my salary, isn't it? Exactly. All right, let's move on. Score predictions for this week. Obviously, I think personally myself, I think it's going to be quite an exciting game. I've gone for two-two. I reckon it's going to go to penalties, and I'm going to. I reckon City will win on pens. Um, Mike, what do you reckon? Yeah, um, I've gone two-one. I think if Haaland's fit enough, I think he will score in his competitive debut. Did so so well the other day against Bayern Munich in 40 minutes. You know, he's he put he's obviously scored in 12 minutes, scored again. Uh, I was off Bernardo Silva was offside in the build up, and there's just real moments there. I think it's probably still got a lot of work to do, but um, if it can click, there was some moments there I saw and some patches that something that we've just been desperately missing last season and in games against Liverpool last season. I personally think we probably could have scored more goals. Um, and now that he's there, I don't think there's any excuses. So I think if he starts, I think we'll hold Liverpool off for a 2-1 win. I could probably quite easily see it going to penalties, given the rotation of the squads and teams probably not quite been 100% fit yet and sort of figuring out where everyone sits. But I'm going to go 2-1 Man City win. Yeah, Michael? Uh, I, I've put down 2-2 after 90 uh, to Liverpool to win on pens after that. Uh, I believe... Klopp will start strong uh, as per my starting 11. 
uh, again, with like what Michael's saying, it's a pre-season. Uh, he's going to rotate the players in the squad. I think that will impact the game. I think we'll take a 1-0, 2-1 lead. I think City will come back and I think we'll just hang on. And a lifter, hopefully, the first community shield of last three attempts or last couple of attempts, having lost to City and Arsenal, respectively, in those years. Yes, it's going to be an awesome game. Do you guys have anything else you want to add? No, mate, I'm, I'm good, thank you. Just looking forward to the game. Yeah, I can't wait for the proper footy to be back uh, and wet the appetite just for uh, the weekend after and it all begins. Cannot wait, Gareth. Yeah, it's going to be a, a massive, massive game. And look, I'm going to add something. You guys can feel free to add it out after if you want. But I did just want to mention the England uh, women's team, the Lionesses. They're obviously make, made the Euros final, which I think is this Sunday at about midnight, which is Perth time. If the baby's here, I might watch it. If not, uh, I don't know. But they won 4-0 in the semi-final. They're playing against Germany. So, yeah, we'll be, well, I hope we'll be all be rooting for England to win, as I know that everyone who isn't English loves England. Um, the other thing as well, obviously, mention is our big old plug, because we like to do that. Um, so remember, guys, if you do like listening, um, you know, you can give us a like on our Facebook page, which is Perth Della Prem. Um, if you're not into Facebook and you're a bit cooler and you're on Twitter, you can follow our Twitter, which is at Perth Della Prem. And obviously, if you do listen on either Podbean, on Spotify or SoundCloud, we would really, really appreciate a subscribe. So thank you very much. And we look forward to seeing you on our next pod when I think things are going to get heated when we speak about some of the best Premier League managers of all time. Cheers, Gareth. Thanks, Gareth. How was that? Was that all right?